Our next guest is the host and producer of Of The Woodworks podcast and the Two Solitude podcast with Dwayne Rollins, where they talk about uh, Montreal and Toronto FC as well as uh, the MLS. Uh, he's coming to us uh, directly from Montreal, and we want to give a warm welcome straight from Vancouver to Kevin Laramie. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great, and I gladly take that warm welcome because with this February that we had in the Northeast, I gladly need that warm welcome. Kevin, as a Montreal fan, you must be very happy about the uh, the win midweek against uh, Mexican side Pachuca that automatically qualified the impact to the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, you're obviously over in Montreal. How excited is Montreal uh, and, and the supporters about this result? So are you telling me it's real? Because I, I, I still thought it was a dream. I, I still can't believe it's real. Uh, Montreal is happy. Just to tell you, this morning, the first page of the sports section was not about the Habs. It was about the Montreal Impact, three straight pages, and then it started to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. It's just great. The Impact's been the buzz in the city the last two days. Cameron Porter is a new hero in town for a player that not even played 20 minutes professionally. He's already a hero in soccer in the province here. It's just a great sensation. And to be honest, I never thought it was going to happen. With that penalty goal by uh, Herman Cano at the 80th minute, I thought Montreal was done. It's CONCACAF. I thought it was... I've seen it before with my own eyes, and I thought I was going to see it again. But no, I think in the words of Frank Lopez, God does never sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So regarding the Mexican press the past couple of days, they seem to be very shocked about Montreal eliminating Pachuca from the competition. Do you agree that it was a surprising result? And how much confidence does this give the, the impact going into the 2015 MLS season? It's a great surprise from the Pachuca side because they're not expecting. In their mind, they're playing Canadians. They don't play, play soccer. They're just using to play hockey and they transition once a year, right? No, it, it's different. We, us, and from Montreal, we knew that Montreal prepared. They did everything they could to prepare correctly for that game, spending 17 days in Mexico at high altitude for the last week of that to get ready for Pachuca. I it really looked like a boxing training camp or a combat sport training camp because they focused solely on one opponent for a whole training camp, solely for one moment in the season. They haven't focused or trained fitness-wise or tactic-wise for the rest of the season. They only focused for those two games. And you can tell by the way they reacted, by the way they they bended, but they didn't break. They were close to it and really went close to it at home. But the way they absorbed the pressure and the way that Sima and Sumare really on the aerial game in the middle of the defense throughout the both games, cleared everything off the line almost. It gave a confidence, but Montreal really was able to just play against Pachuca. That's why they were set up. That's what the tactic they were using is only for those two. So for me, I'm not really surprised because I've seen it coming. Pachuca was taking Montreal a little lightly, like uh, those Canadians, they'll come to here, we'll put two, three past them, and we'll just go to Montreal and keep a nil-nil sheet. It didn't happen that way. Montreal got lucky on one goal and totally deserved in the second in Pachuca and then come back to Montreal and get a surprising victory, surprising goal at the 93 minute. I still can't believe it, guys. I'm talking about it and it still feels like a miracle. But for once, a Canadian team conquer a Mexican team. And that's history right there. It is, absolutely. And just a, a couple of weeks ago, Joey Saputo addressed the media and he was saying that, that things weren't really going all that great with the impact and basically said that the buzz has sort of disappeared from the team. Was this sort of a, a dream result for the fans and for the, the organization to uh, like just have this two-game uh, two series with Pachuca and get this basically a miracle result right at the, the very dying seconds of second-half stoppage time? 
I think it is. I think it's even more than they could ever dream for. Can you imagine just Montreal come back home and won three nothing again? It would have been an example, a uh, uh, five two an aggregate. Uh, it would have been yeah, Montreal's good and moving on to the semifinal. But the romanticism, the history, the the intangible, the X factor of the game to for marketing purposes would not have been there. Now with the moment, they created a moment. I, I dubbed those two games a quest for a moment for Montreal because they're trying to get a moment in the new era, not the 2009 time when they were in NASL, with players that have been retired now. A new moment with the current roster to help promote this team because they need a start. The Vio's out. They need, yeah, they got big names like Piatti and Larassima, but they never did anything yet. And with that victory, with the way it happens, it gives a story to the team that they can then turn around and sell the team to the rest of the city. And that's what's going on right now. On every single talk show, radio shows, TV news program, They're talking about the impact. And that was not the case before uh, the result on Tuesday, but even before Saputo. And I still think that Saputo's move was calculated. I still think that he did it to get a reaction from the press and from the fans. And you know what? As stupid as it sounds, it worked. They're still talking about it. So I think Joey knows a little bit more maybe than we do. So, so Kevin, uh, you're talking about... Uh, um creating a moment and and you know starting to to maybe catch a little bit of a break here um the impact is now in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League they will face Costa Rican side Alajuelense now you know how far do you think Montreal can take this uh, this run I think they have a shot uh, I think it's a luck of the draw that they're having a Costa Rican team in not even the best Costa Rican I would say the second best Costa Rican team because Saprisa is known as the best team even though they got booted this tournament out uh, but Alawalense Montreal having a couple of lucks on their side their best player is not going to play Alonso's been suspended for the first game of the tie I think it's a luck the one thing that maybe surprised Pachuca was the stadium and the turf Uh, the turf is, yes, it's a new turf for the World Cup this summer, but it's still not the best turf. I took pictures. If you look on my Twitter or Dwayne's Twitter feed, you'll see up-close picture of the turf. It's still a carpet, not even not one inch thick on concrete. So the turf is an issue for a team like Pachuca, which is not the case for Alavalense. They're one of the only teams in the CONCACAF region that plays on turf every single day. They're a fast team. They're used to that type of playing CONCACAF, and Montreal doesn't have home field advantage. What they do have is a belief that they can do anything with the result they have on this Tuesday. Uh, the one thing that I think favors Montreal, if you're looking at the game, both game Tuesday and the Tuesday prior, Montreal got beat on the wings by Lozano and by Damon. Costa Rican side, Alavalense, don't have the wingers at the same talent and skill level. So I believe Montreal will be able to held on the fullback's position a little bit better. Maybe that's the key. Because if you take that out of Pachuca's play, they were not that dangerous. If, if, if they make it to the final, I really hope that um, they face the, my home team, uh, Club America. America. Yeah, that's another different ballgame, though. If Montreal faces Club America, go to Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Are you crazy? Uh, that's another mountain. We'll cross the bridge when we get there. But just get a ticket for there to be a Canadian team in the CONCACAF Champions League. Just saying it sounds stupid. But uh, it, it might be possible. There's a way. There's only uh, one result away from that game. Yeah, yeah, that would be, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, um, uh, Kevin, but I, I think that uh, even if they make it to the final, I yeah, think no America way. will take that. Uh, oh, yeah, there's <laughs> no way Montreal can beat the stadium. But you know what? You never know. It's, if Montreal can absorb, we've, we've seen crazy results happen 
That's but true. The, yeah, it, it would depend if where where America is in the Liga MX. So if they put all their eggs in the basket or not. But the way they're placed right now, I think they're in good uh, top four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, they're, they're, they're yeah, right. they're, they'll they'll be able to play on both fronts. So I'm not. Yeah, if Montreal gets to Club America, it's, it it'll be just a great great time in Mexico City. Would you would you go down? Yes, I'm, I would try to make my way down to Mexico City. I'm actually looking to go to Costa Rica in two weeks. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm always, I'm always off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So let's say there's a good window I can make it. That would be awesome if you can actually pull that off. Yeah, I, w I was jealous of my friends who went down to uh, Mexico a couple of weeks ago, so I want to I want to experience this <laughs> for sure. Hey, so why don't we talk about some uh, MLS now? So what with the, uh, the the CBA being agreed to in principle the other night, um, that we can actually get excited that there's a, a whole uh, slate of matches coming up. So Montreal's off season has kind of been overshadowed by the the moves to our 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 friends over in Toronto there, and at least from oh, our did they did they sign anybody? I haven't heard about anything about Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, that, that. You must be the only person in Canada that didn't hear. <laughs> you should know about it. They sent an Italian guy. Yeah, that's oh, right. yeah, true, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but at least from our, our point of view out here in uh, in Western Canada, it seems it's been rather quiet at Stad Saputo for uh, for signings. Anyways, do you feel that Frank Klopas has bolstered his squad in the areas that they need to to have a, a successful campaign in MLS this year? I think they did, except for one position, except in the striker position. Even though they got better with. The draft they had, they got lucky with Romero Williams, but especially Cameron Porter. But they have Dominic Aduro with a trade as well, which is a great improvement, but still it's not maybe a strike at the level to maybe take the, the reins of a divide. But they did make, if you're looking at the squad that started two weeks ago, there was eight new players starting in the starting 11. This Tuesday, there was seven. It's a great difference between it, the players they got, they're starting 11 players. So in the depth chart, it might not have get better, But on the starting 11, week in, week out, Montreal will have a better team on the field than last year. The strength of Montreal is not the striker position like it was with Tavayo last year. It's in the midfield. It's actually a little too crowded in the attacking midfield and defensive midfield. In the defensive midfield, you have three players fighting for two spots. Two new players that have a lot of experience coming from totally different background. Nigel Rio Coker coming from... Vancouver, which you know very well, Mr. Rio Coker, a little stint in Chivas USA that was not necessarily glorious, but with a new confidence, he's coming back to Montreal and is already loved by the supporters. If you have a chance, go to YouTube and just write, I'm in love with Rio Coker. You will have a little parody of the Coco song with Rio Coker. It's actually hilarious. Impact Media made that, so take a second and listen to this. Uh, but it just tells you there's a new attitude, a new mood. And with all the new players... It, All the players that were whiny last year, they're not back. It's like a new attitude. And especially with the result that we've seen last two weeks, Montreal, it's all positive. My hopes are not high for the beginning of the season. Because, like I said earlier, Montreal put all their eggs in the CCL basket, training-wise, tactic-wise, and fitness-wise in the preseason. They might having a little trouble. It's, glad, it's a good thing they're only playing one game in the bye week. But for the first month of the season, if Montreal can get away with one or two points, It'll be good for me. You get players that need to acclimatize themselves to MLS. If you're looking at Piatti, if you're looking at uh, Sima, all those players, the CONCACAF is similar to the type of play they used to play that MLS is. And that will be a big difference, especially with the travel. So first couple of weeks, I think it's going to be hard for Montreal. But overall, with all the new players, I think uh, I'll just name because I just made a few. Donadel. Piazzi, you got Cabrera on the defense from River Plate in Argentina. A couple of South American players are coming. 
It's going to be a great Arduro, Romelu wins, Cameron Porter. And just to round off, there's a Donny Toya and eventually Oyongo. If he makes it, he's going to be the key in the defense. But don't get me started on the whole Oyongo contract situation. <laughs> we can be here all night, gentlemen. Also, we're uh, in love with Nigel Rio Coker back in 2013. So um, uh, for, for your team's sake, uh, hopefully that ends a little bit better than it did uh, here in Vancouver. So, Kevin, just uh, for, for listening to what you're saying, um, it sounds to me like you're maybe a little bit uh, cautiously optimistic about Montreal's chances of making to the playoffs. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, I believe that because of the fact that there's two expansion teams, even though those two expansion teams have a lot of funds behind them and decent teams with a lot of star power, there's still expansion teams. There's going to be ups and downs. And if Montreal takes them in the week that they're not playing good, could be an easy three points. So it's easier in the East with six teams to play off. I believe Montreal's going to be seventh or sixth, fighting for that last spot. But who knows? If the team can gel and maybe a striker DP comes in the summer to get the couple of goals missing to make the leap from sixth to maybe fourth, I could see it happen, but I don't see him higher than fourth, to be honest. But that's very optimistic. Like you said, I am cautious. Seventh, sixth, fighting for a playoff is what I have for success rate. Even though Joey, in his mind, with all the change that he made to the team, he sees them fighting for top three. And I can't agree with that. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a, a stretch. But now moving on from uh, from uh, the Montreal Impact, uh, you cover Toronto FC extensively in the the two solitudes in the two solitudes podcast along Dwayne Rollins. So I want to ask you a question that's really been keeping me up at night, and I think a lot of people up at night. Has TFC finally gotten it right? Have they put together a team that can see them challenged not only for a, a playoff but run, but maybe even challenge for MLS Cup? Maybe. I wouldn't maybe I'd go as far as saying they have a shot at MLS Cup. It's still hard for me to say those words from Montreal. But what I can <laughs> say is I do believe that some of the addition they do made was not the expression that I can use is more steak, less sizzle. It's more in depth. If you're looking at Jovinko, especially Jovinko and Altador are the key for me because Bradley was solid when he was not injured last year, but there was not a direct line from him to somebody that had a shot to score a goal to finish. If you're looking at just in your head, this the, the way tactically a Toronto plays, usually it's a 4-4-2 with a, a diamond in the midfield. So you just have Bradley in the bottom of the diamond. And then you have Jovinko in front of him, or maybe Jovinko on the wings, and Altador. Three players that have direct skills that are way above anybody on the field. And if you have a chance to see those couple of goals that Jovinko and Altador did in preseason a notch above everybody else on that field when they were playing. So those three players are the key for Toronto. But Jovinko and Altador, if they have a little bit of chemistry, they can destroy the league. When I say destroy, they can be combined for 25, 30 goals easily, I think. Putting uh, um, rivalry sentiments aside, what what are your impressions of of the Vancouver Whitecaps for 2015? I believe that they do one thing that a lot of teams haven't been doing. What I think Montreal and Toronto, what I mean, is consistency. They have a coach that I believe has a tight grip in his locker room, but especially the way he wants to play. I don't know if he has all the players that he wants to have to execute that vision that he does have, Cal Robinson. But when you listen to Robinson play, uh, to talk about the play he wants to his players to implement, he wants to be organized. He wants to bring that little... English, uh, Scottish, uh, Irish, 
that UK flair to a game, that UK mentality of get, staying controlled and organized. And I really liked in the, the end of the season last year when Vancouver were more solid defensively, they had trouble scoring goals. And if they can find that solution of scoring a goal, which is what every soccer team's dream, to have somebody that consistently put the ball in the net, if they can get that answer, they, they might have a shot of fighting for a playoff. What I'm worrying about Vancouver is the defense. I think they're, they need a little bit more solidity in the defensive midfielder. I, you guys probably know more about me about that than I do. But I see this and maybe a uh, lack of goals. Basically, every MLS team's uh, flaws. <laughs> yeah, well, the the only real questions we have right now is that we like we had a pretty deep um, stock of center backs the last couple of years, and Demerit retired through injury, and then uh, Andy O'Brien didn't come back last after last year. So we have now we have Kendall Waston who established himself uh, immediately as uh, as as a starting uh, a player for the starting eleven, and then it's sort of been okay. Well, who's going to play alongside? And we brought in Diego Rodriguez in the off season, and then also Pomuduka came up from Portland. So now it's a question of who's going to play alongside them. So it's going to be. Uh, interesting and uh, we also have some uh, younger um, uh, center backs we've got Christian Dean and Tim Parker um, they're I'm not sure where exactly they're going to fit into the uh, into the, the the depth of things but I think that um, that's one question that we have and then of course obviously the goals is a big question too and we, we're hopefully that uh, going to have that solved now with um, I have a question for you two gentlemen if we're looking at derimatics, there's a lot of question marks on derimatics for the last couple of years. I know it might it might seem cutthroat what I'm going to say, but with draft pick, especially with first round draft pick early in their career, if you look at Maddox, is his fourth year, if I'm not mistaken, that he's starting. How patient are you with a player? We've seen Montreal waive their first academy signing this year in Calumet. I, I People were outraged. I thought like the guy just didn't cut in Montreal. I needed a different environment. How long and how, how patient do you think a team has to be with a with a, a not a star but almost with a very attention seeking uh, draft pick? Well, it's a very good uh, question because after the end of the 2013 season, uh, Maddox uh, he had uh, gave this uh, uh, interview down uh, back home in Jamaica that where he basically called out Martin Rennie and he didn't like the style of play and the the, the managers uh, the way that he did his business. So he seemed to be a little bit rejuvenated at the beginning of last year, and then he was sort of hot and cold and just he's never really been uh, been able to live up to some of the the boasts or the the claims that he made that uh, he'd be able to to do. So I was kind of wondering if maybe at the end of last year that maybe he might not come back. But then, you know, um, Robinson said that he's uh, he's an important part of the team and he secured a couple of uh, different training stints in England and in Sweden over the the offseason. And uh, I'm really wondering where Darren actually fits into the squad. Like I, you would have to think that uh, Robinson sees something in him because if he was just or at least my point of view is that if he was going to be sort of dangled out there as for 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 a trade bait to, to somebody, it just it just sort of makes me question. Well, why would you spend the time and the effort to to send him to 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 train with some of these squads overseas? And is he just trying to build him up? And what does he still see into him? I'd have to say that Darren is still probably one of the biggest unanswered questions in the squad you know if uh, if he sticks around obviously robinson sees something in him and he probably thinks he can get something out of him too so <laughs> to answer your question in in a roundabout way and not really answer at all we're not really too sure what, what's going to happen with maddox 
Well, it's it's either that or or the fact that maybe maybe there's just not a market for Darren Maddox at this point in time, right? Because uh, if you think about his his contract, he's coming out at a fairly high uh, uh, ticket bill um, for someone who has not really produced a hell of a lot um, in, in the last couple of years. So um, I think that uh, Darren Maddox is one of the most um, uh, controversial figures in this team. I think that a large portion of the fandom um, really feels that he should be on his way out, but and and maybe maybe there's just not a lot of uh, suitors that that uh, Vancouver is finding to to maybe ship him out. Uh, like Mark was saying, uh, maybe those stints, training stints in Europe, were maybe a little bit of a shopping around, and and obviously nothing really. Uh, nothing really stuck. So, um, with with uh, Octavio Rivero coming onto the team, um, is really going to be you know if if Rivero um, delivers to to what he's supposed to be delivering, obviously he's a designated player. I think that is going to be uh, even extra extra more difficult for Darren Maddox to really um, stick around for for much longer, in my opinion. So, uh, Kevin, uh, Toronto and Vancouver are, are clashing this Saturday afternoon in the season uh, opener uh, here in BC Place. Uh, is there anything in particular about this match that uh, that you're interested in seeing or that you'll be uh, pay, uh, paying attention to? It's going to be interesting to see how Bradley, Jovinko, and Altador play. How many minutes they will play, if anybody of them will start, if not... We have to remember it's busy place. It's a turf. You know, it's gonna. Are they finished changing it yet, or is it still in the process? I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come in. I know that uh, that they just announced recently that uh, the the new turf is coming. But I thought maybe it was going to be uh, it's May in I May think? sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll, so yeah. still a couple of months. So yeah, it's going to be the same old turf at BC Place. I don't think that Toronto's going to risk having three of those players play 90 minutes. Maybe one, maybe two, but not three of them. And if that does impact the game, that's going to be interesting to see how Vancouver is going to fare. I'll be interesting to see if Vancouver can keep a clean sheet. If they can keep a clean sheet and score or not, doesn't matter. But if they can solidify that defense, because that's what you need to do preseason. After well, preseason, beginning of the season, it's MLS. It doesn't matter how first four months. It's how you finish. But if you get things right in the back. Over the long run, that experience together, that's what you need. And from the first four weeks of the season, for the first month, I just want to see the same players play in the back line. For Vancouver, for Montreal, even for Toronto, if those four players continue to play together for four weeks, it's an advantage over a team that won't play in the first four weeks. So uh, that interests me. But uh, to be fair, Altador was on fire in the preseason. And if he can carry this to... MLS regular season, it's going to be dangerous. He's my front runner for Golden Boot. I don't know if he starts this weekend. Hopefully for you two gentlemen, he doesn't. <laughs> you never know what can happen. But Altador in the MLS, he's dangerous. We've seen him be dangerous in um, uh, what's it called? I forget uh, in uh, in the oh. Netherlands. Yeah, for uh, AZ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, AZ. For AZ, he was really dangerous there. Never was able to transfer this in England in Sunderland, which is a like. England, what, the second best thing in the world, if not the best league. It's arguably the best league in the world. And he was not having the best service in Sunderland. But when he comes to MLS, he's way better than everybody else. And if you can get that service, which he does have the players for it, uh, watch out. Altador could be the golden boot in MLS in 2015. And that's what Toronto hopes. That's what they paid for, right? 
Exactly. Has there been any sort of big difference that uh, everybody or anybody's noticed uh, with Altidore compared to Jermaine Defoe thus far? Is it a little bit too early to say? A less prima donna attitude. That's what I've heard. That's easy for me to say from Montreal because I'm not going to get the, any uh, backlash from it. So, yeah, so less prima donna attitude from uh, Josie Altador. He knew what he was getting into, which is not the case for a player, Jermaine Defoe. And when you get players that are American coming back to the league that are aware of the travel, are aware of the pressure in a market like Toronto, a winless market for generations now, it could be <laughs> – yeah, I had to dig, I had to put that thing in, right? So <laughs> it's going to be – Altador has the right attitude. I don't know if he's got the right coach for it. Vanny, that's another totally different topic. But maybe Altador is the key. You asked me earlier when you spoke about Toronto, if they finally figured out how to build a team. I don't know if they're going to build a team, but to get players that are... You need devotion. When a player comes to Montreal or Toronto or Vancouver to play soccer, it's not the first sport that's going to be talked in the city. We would love it to be, but it's not... You need a player that's devoted to the cause, that wants to talk about the team, that wants to be implicated in all aspects of what a DP player in a Canadian market is. On the field, off the field, in the hospital, in the schools, everywhere. And Altador and Jovinko fit that bill. Do you see Jermaine Defoe going to a primary school in the middle of Scarborough in the winter at minus 20 to say thanks to the kid? Not really. Altador, I do so. So I think that's a big difference in... I think that altogether we'll see result on the pitch for them, unfortunately. Interesting. So finally, Kevin, as a Montreal fan, I'm sure you probably both want Toronto and Vancouver to lose on Saturday. But can we tempt you for... That's not possible, though. <laughs> I, I, I thought about it. Like, is there a way that nobody can get a single point? And yeah, there's no point. There's no way legally that that can happen. <laughs> well, can, let's put it this way. Can we tempt you to make a realistic prediction for Saturday's match then? I think the Whitecaps keeps a clean sheet. And I think they get lucky on a bounce because of the turf, so they win one nothing. I'll take that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, the classic first game of MLS. Nothing spectacular, just aerial game. Everybody's booting the ball, but you got some speedy players in Vancouver up top. And I think you can one pass uh, the keeper for Toronto. Yeah, I think you can get that W this weekend. I would love you for beat Toronto, so I'll go Vancouver. <laughs> oh, with, answer, with answers like that, uh, Kevin, you're more than welcome to come back anytime that you want. <laughs> My pleasure. I would love to. So, uh, Kevin, uh, we know it's late in Montreal, so we don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. But before uh, we let you go, please tell our listeners where, where they can find you and your podcast uh, online. On Twitter, where you can find all my shows at Kev Laramay, Stitcher, iTunes, Feedburner, Podbay, Player FM. Uh, YouTube, all the podcasts that I do from the studio here are all available on there. And just my Twitter feed is the easiest way to uh, get notified of every single show I do. That's great. Well, uh, Kevin, uh, good luck in 2015. Uh, thanks again for coming on. And uh, don't go away, anyone. And we'll be right back. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.